Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 50 of the Summit for Wellness podcast. I can't believe we have reached our 50th episode already. It's been a really fun ride. I've had a lot of fantastic guests that I've enjoyed talking with on this journey, and we have a lot more coming up, and I'm super excited about that. But I just want to give a quick shout out to everyone that has supported us in the making of this podcast, Um, people that have gone on to iTunes to leave us ratings and reviews, which help us to get out in front of more people. Thank you so much for your support in helping us to get to this point. I'm excited that we are able to provide valuable health and wellness information to you uh, via your headphones or however you choose to listen to this podcast. And I'm excited to continue on with the podcast and to keep bringing on more and more professionals. So with that, we also love to hear who it is you want to hear more from. So if you go to summitforwellness.com slash messenger, you can send me a direct message on different people you would like to hear come on to the show. Um, we do our best to bring up, uh, bring on really relevant people, uh, people that others want to hear from. So I would love to hear your feedback, and uh, then we will try our best to get those type of people onto our show. Also, if you have not left us a rating and review, please take a couple moments to go to iTunes to do that real quick. Like I said, those ratings and reviews do help us to get in front of more people. So if you go to summitforwellness.com slash iTunes, it's super quick and simple to leave us that rating and review, and it's very helpful. Okay, a little bit more housekeeping. We are heading into summer, which means... We're not going to be releasing episodes as often. Uh, It's just a really busy time for guests because a lot of people's uh, kids are out of school and so people are a lot more busy. Um, And there's tons of holidays going on, so we don't want to interrupt people's holidays with uh, podcast episodes. We'll still try to continue to release episodes every week, but once the fall hits, then we will definitely have our weekly episodes coming back out. But just know that if you go a week or two and you don't hear from uh, us or if you don't see a new podcast being released, that would be why, because it is the summer, summer months and there's just a lot going on during the summer. Okay, our guest today is Ryan Monahan, who is a functional diagnostic nutritionist, and he is coming on to talk about how to use diagnostic tools to be able to evaluate nutritional needs. Uh, So we'll go into different tests that give very valuable information about uh, deficiencies in the body and what we can then do with those or with all that information to be able to create protocols for people to uh, uh, balance out those deficiencies and uh, get their health back on track. So let's dive right into my interview with Ryan Monahan. 
Ryan Monahan is an FDN practitioner and a certified AIP coach with a passion for uncovering the hidden stress- stressors that contribute to thyroid malfunction. He specializes in utilizing functional lab work to identify sources of metabolic stress with the aim of restoring the body to normal function. Thanks, Ryan, for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Really a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you because you tend to use a lot more diagnostic tools than a lot of uh, people that I bring on an interview. So I would love to dive into your background getting into uh, nutrition and your process through the FDN training. Yeah, sure. So I'll give you just a brief little history. Uh, If we go back 12 or 15 years, I studied music business in college. Actually, we talked a little briefly about that before we hit the record button. So I had uh, no idea that I was going to get into this field of holistic health at the time. But looking back, I had lived my 20s in a fog of exhaustion, depression, and total lack of self-esteem because of how I felt all the time. And then as, as time progressed, the symptoms just were getting progressively worse. I had to slow down my music career as a touring musician to take care of my health, which was a huge blow because that was my my lifelong passion and something I really loved and enjoyed doing. So living with all of these chronic symptoms really had a profound impact on my life. And it wasn't until 2012 that I finally got diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And that's eventually what led me to becoming my own health advocate, seeking some alternative approaches to what the traditional model had to offer. And eventually in 2016, I became certified as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. So here we are today. Um, I work with clients from all over the country and I have ability to send people lab kits to their home and they can conduct those tests in the privacy and comfort of their own home. And it's really pretty great and convenient because we can actually just hop on a screen share and a video chat, look at the results together on on the same screen, uh, all without even having to be in the same state. So I'm, I'm really grateful to be doing that work now, but it's uh, it's pretty funny because I never, you know, life could just kind of threw me a, threw a wrench in the works and, and you never know what's going to happen because I, I just had no idea that I would eventually be doing this kind of work today. And you were talking about when you had all these health issues, um, it took a long time for you to figure out what was going on. So I'm assuming just from the conventional model, they were doing a lot of symptom chasing and trying to figure out what the symptom means and trying to treat you along that. And you probably went from treatment plan to treatment plan and not really seeing improvement. So can you talk about just that experience and what it was like to go through all those different treatment plans and not getting the results that you were hoping for? Yeah, so you you really hit the nail on the head. I absolutely did jump from specialist to specialist uh, with no dramatic improvements in my symptoms at all. And like many people, I was stuck in this cycle of trial and error and what I call playing whack-a-mole with my symptoms. So during that time, I, I saw very little to no relief, and I wish I had known about functional medicine or some of these functional approaches back then, because I feel like I would have, you know, preserved some of the potential life I had to live, you know, during that time of my life. 
in fact, uh, going back to my early 20s, uh, I had surgery to reduce the tissue in my sinuses because my allergies and chronic congestion were such a big problem. So, you know, to we often say that to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So, of course, if you're going to seek out these, these conventional options or treatments, the, what you have available to you is going to be prescriptions and surgery, prescriptions and surgery. And if you're stuck in that paradigm, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at never potentially addressing the root cause because you're always suppressing the symptoms and never looking at the underlying issues behind why it's happening to begin with. So like a lot of people, I went to specialist after specialist. Like I mentioned, uh, I went to a rheumatologist, a dermatologist, a gastroenterologist, an allergist, an ENT, even a therapist. Because of course, you know, just the, you know, dealing with the symptoms of depression and then also just the antisocial aspect of just like kind of withdrawing from everyday life because I was dealing with these issues. I was embarrassed about them. I had very little energy and I felt like I had to preserve that energy when spending times with friends and family and that sort of thing. Um, at, at one point in time, I actually had a doctor kick me out of his office just for saying that I didn't want to take antibiotics for my acne. And, you know, he accused me of medical prejudice and all these really over the top kind of things. And, you know, I, I remember this mo looking back, it's, it's a lot funnier now than it was then. But I, you know, I had said, you know, I'm sorry, sir. I didn't, I didn't mean to offend you. It's just, uh, you know, I'd like to try a different approach. And he said, don't you, sir, me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Aggressive. It, was, it was pretty hardcore. So he basically kicked me out of his office because I didn't want to take antibiotics. But that's the kind of paradigm that we're, that we're currently working within. And, you know, it's often estimated that doctors don't get current on the medical research. They're, they're behind 15 years, right? And so they're kind of missing the boat on the chronic symptom side of things, even if they're doing well with, with uh, emergency care and acute care, then, then yeah, sure, if I break a limb uh, or if I have a heart attack, you, you, absolutely, I want to go to the emergency room. But for chronic everyday symptoms like depression, allergies, headaches, stomach upset, you know, things like gas, bloating, IBS, all of these kind of, uh, you know, things that are more chronic, long-standing issues, I, I feel like are, are better dealt with in the functional realm. So at what point did you start to treat the root cause of your illness? Was that something that you came upon or did you find the right uh, specialist or functional medicine doctor that told you you need to look for the root cause instead of chasing the symptoms? Right. So it was in 2012 when I had that Hashimoto's diagnosis. But even from that point forward, you know, I had this kind of gnawing feeling in the back of my brain, like this can't be it. You know, this can't be just take this pill for the rest of your life, like I was told to do by the doctor that diagnosed me. Um, I, I'm just, I'm too stubborn to accept a diagnosis like that. And I'm a questioner by nature, which is actually somewhat of a double-edged sword and gets me into trouble sometimes. But I like kind of doing my own detective work, kind of thinking for myself. And I started poking around on the internet and 
it didn't take me long before I found this tremendous wealth of information within the autoimmune internet community. So, you know, I found resources like Chris Kresser, uh, Isabella Wentz, who wrote a fantastic book on finding the root cause for Hashimoto's, uh, Mickey and Angie at Autoimmune Wellness, Sarah Ballantyne, who's also known as the Paleo Mom. Like these are some of the first initial resources that I discovered. And I quickly came to the understanding that Hashimoto's itself is actually just a symptom. So we're used to thinking that when we have a Hashimoto's diagnosis or a hypothyroidism diagnosis, that that's the condition in itself and that's the thing that we're treating. But I had a, I underwent a massive paradigm shift when I started thinking about the body differently and started thinking about symptoms as being a result of underlying dysfunction. So if we follow that same train of thought, the thyroid is actually the proverbial canary in the coal mine. It's actually a sign from, it's an intelligent sign from our body that there's deeper dysfunction beneath the surface. So when the thyroid slows down, you know, that slows down our metabolism, slows down our energy, we start to gain weight, we start losing hair, our body temperature starts dropping. It's almost as though our body is sending us into hibernation mode. But this is actually a protective mechanism from the body. It's an intelligent sign that something else is awry. There's hidden stress somewhere in the body. Uh, you know, we like to call it metabolic chaos in the F FDN world, which is sort of an umbrella term to describe in imbalances in homeostasis, whether that's gut infections, heavy metals, mold illness, you name it, hormone, hormone imbalances, you know, there, there are so many different things that can cause thyroid dysfunction or can trigger that autoimmunity. You know, so for that, from that perspective, that's why we adhere so firmly to this belief of don't, uh, of, sorry, of, of test don't guess, right? Because rather than playing whack-a-mole with our symptoms, we want to actually have some hard data in front of us to take a look at what's causing this dysfunction in the body. So, you know, while so many of us are used to walking around in life with our head in the sand, you know, thinking that symptoms are normal, and in even taking that a step further, you know, most of us have no idea what life would feel like to fire on all cylinders because we've just accepted such a low baseline for how we can feel every day, right? So in that sense, you know, I say this often, but it's the last thing a fish would ever notice is water. So as a, as a society, we're just sick. And, you know, my hope is to, you know, use some of this knowledge to help people improve their diet and lifestyle and to finally sort of escape from that cycle of, of trial and error. And here in a moment, we'll talk about some of the testing that you do. But what's really neat about your story is that once you received your diagnosis, you didn't just stop there. You actually started questioning it and started trying to figure out what to do from there. Whereas a lot of people, once they receive a diagnosis, they tend to become that diagnosis. They'll become, oh, I'm the Hashimoto's person, or I have an autoimmune issue person. So for people that receive uh, diagnoses like this, what would you tell them to do to be able to take back control of their own health? That's a really great question. 
And I think it's really important to emphasize that having a diagnosis is an opportunity to heal. So when I first received my own diagnosis, I was actually ecstatic. You know, I was, I finally had an answer to what had been plaguing me for over a decade. And in that sense, I knew I wasn't crazy. You know, I stopped blaming myself for my own illness. And furthermore, I had a solid roadmap for where to go in terms of my own healing journey and my own healing potential. So I think it's necessary to emphasize the positive side of receiving a diagnosis because it's the opportunity to get back on track and start living your best life again. It's, it's, so it's not just about overcoming symptoms. It's about what am I going to do with my life once I'm feeling better and when I have more energy and my symptoms aren't so overwhelming that I have to hide in my room all day. So I really like to ask this questions to all the clients that I work with. When I start off, I said, if you, I, I'll ask them if you had a magic wand, you know, and you could remove all of your symptoms, how would your life be different? You know, whether that's spending more time with friends and family or maybe even starting a business or being able to work full time, uh, you know, it's, it's really important to look beyond just the diagnosis and just removing the symptoms because that's not really why we're doing this. We're doing it to live a more fulfilling life. So, you know, in my, in my own personal journey, you know, I, I love to cook. I love learning and taking classes. I love spending time outdoors. I'm a, I've been a musician since I was 10 years old. So I love to write and perform music and I, I'm still performing to this day. Uh, so having that diagnosis paradoxically only allowed me to enhance those interests in my life because I was able to do something about it. So I think this is a really important emphasis. And, you know, many clients in many cases, I've been waiting for years to get to the root cause of their symptoms. So hopefully they'll be overjoyed to finally find some answers. So I, I also would like to add to that, uh, that I really like to empower my clients to be their, their, their own best advocate for their own health because no one is ever going to care more about your own health than you do. Right. That's a really good point because it is your own health. So you taking control of it, you're the one that's going to be the master of how you feel. So that's, that's an awesome point. So let's start diving into some of the tests that you like to use in your own practice. And what type of information do these tests give you that you can use to try to figure out the root causes to these health issues? Sure. So first I would say that the purpose of running these tests is not to diagnose or treat. If we're looking at the high level overview of sort of the, the FDN philosophy, you know, we'll leave diagnosing and treating to conventional medicine because, because in a really real sense, we're not worried about giving the symptoms a name, right? So in many cases, the diagnosis just gives a name to the condition, like take irritable bowel syndrome, for example. It's like, well, yeah, thanks, my bowels are irritable. <laughs> how, do, how, how does that, I could have told you that, that's why I came to you. So, but why is that the case to begin with? You know, what's triggering that? I mean, it could be a case of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and we may want to run a SIBO test. 
It could be H. pylori or parasites that are in the gut, and these could be long-standing issues that you weren't even aware of until you ran some gut testing. So at the most basic level, these tests are looking to identify hidden metabolic stress in the body, and we can actually use the word hidden if we think of hidden stress as an acronym to identify disruptions to homeostasis. So if we look at a little closer at that word, H is for hidden, then we have immune system, digestion, detoxification, energy production, and neurotransmitters, right, all spell out the word hidden. And these are some of the areas that we're trying to identify when we're running the lab work. Then when we can remove these barriers to healing, the body can then use its own intelligence to heal itself. So, you know, the idea here is to sort of remove the blockages and let the body do its own thing. And, and then we, along the way, we can develop some diet and lifestyle recommendations and some holistic self-treatment protocols. So then once we take those type of tests that you're running, um, can you go through a list of those different types of tests that you typically run and the information behind them? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd like to also add to that that some of the, uh, or when we're looking at each of these different tests, they're each sort of like a different piece of a puzzle, right? So no one test is perfect and no one test is going to give us all the information we need. So that's that emphasizes why it's helpful to have four, five, six, or even more, you know, depending on how deep we need to dive into the particular symptom history. And the more of those puzzle pieces we have, the greater picture we can get of, of what's going on with that person when we correlate that to their symptoms and their symptom history. So it's never just treating what's on the lab work and, and looking that, at that alone. We're also looking at, you know, side by side of where has that person come from on their journey, you know, whether it's they have mercury fillings or mold exposure or emotional trauma, you know, we want to use those contextual clues along with running some of the lab work. So that being said, again, you know, each of these lab labs is a different piece of the puzzle. You know, I like to run a comp comprehensive blood panel, which will include a CBC, a CMP, a thyroid panel, sometimes some nutritional markers on top of that, like B12, magnesium, vitamin D. Uh, as far as investigating the hormones, I really, really like the Dutch test, which is the Dried Urine Test Comprehensive Hormones. It's another acronym there. It's a really powerful test that gives you a ton of information about androgen metabolism, estrogen metabolism, uh, free and total cortisol, DHEA. You get this really comprehensive picture of the stress response and also the sex hormones. Uh, the GI map is a PCR DNA test that looks for various different pathogens in the gut. And there's a lot of implications there with autoimmunity. So running that GI map is a huge flagship test in my practice because I do find that close to 100% of my clients with autoimmunity are dealing with at least one infection in the gut which may be triggering intestinal permeability, which in turn is the gateway for autoimmunity, right? So I'm often finding things like candida, H. pylori, blastocystis hominis, Klebsiella, a number of other infections 
Uh, and it also gives us a window into gut function as well. We can see if that particular client is reacting to gluten or if there's inflammation in the gut or if we're digesting our food well. So we also get a window into how the gut is actually functioning as well. So those will be some of the kind of baseline tests as far as looking for the usual suspects and getting the most clinical benefit. Those are tend to be the tests that I run the most at, at the, uh, the most basic level. Then we can dive a little deeper into running, you know, maybe a SIBO test, food sensitivity testing, uh, viral load testing, an HTMA test for heavy metals, mold testing, Lyme testing. And, you know, those, those tend to get a little bit deeper for more complex health issues. But depending on where we need to go with that client, we'll, we'll run whatever labs we need to to get to the, to the root of the problem. So in a, in a very real sense, I, I act like a health detective to try to look for all these different clues until we figure out what's going on. I'm not sure if the GI map does this, but do you do any comprehensive uh, microbiome testing as well? The GI map does include a section for the beneficial microbes. Is that what you'd be referring to? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking kind of mm -hmm. like the biome or other tests out there that have a very comprehensive look at the microbiome and the microbiome within the gut. Yeah, so to my understanding, I haven't run the Viome test yet, but the GI map does contain a section which gives you a snapshot of the normal flora. The Viome is like a whole a whole other beast, and it's something I'm really interested in, and I'd, I'd actually love to run a GI map and a Viome side by side. Uh, the only reason I've been hesitant to sort of move towards that test with my clients is just because it's a little bit of a new technology. It's a newer test, and... You know, I like to kind of give some time for these tests to prove themselves um, in terms of their clinical relevance. Yeah, and I think with some of those very comprehensive tests, it gives you so much information, but we really don't know what each and every single bacteria is for yet within the body. So it could give you a lot of information, but we don't really know what to do with it yet. So that yeah, that's absolutely right. There, the Viome tests that I have looked at are to say the least, overwhelming. <laughs> and there are bacterial species on there that have very little to no studies behind them, and we have no knowledge of their effect on the body. So it'd be ill-advised to just go after those bugs and just start trying to eradicate them when we don't really know enough yet. Right. So yeah. once, you, uh, once you run all these tests and you get all this data... What what's the next steps that you do with your clients? Like, where do you begin? So the simple answer is that it depends. <laughs> but of course, we always want to know the history of the client, the, the their main chronic complaints at the time. And we're looking to customize a diet and lifestyle plan based on their unique bio-individuality. But that being said even though we have all of this lab work to help validate our program for self-treatment going forward, we always want to start with the basics, the foundations, right? So diet, sleep hygiene, exercise, stress reduction, and some intelligent supplementation where it's necessary. So, you know, on the other hand, um, 
you know, we, we also want to get the client back up on their feet. So we may be addressing some of the short-term issues so that they can have the energy they need to get through the whole program of recommendations. But the, you know, the goal is that while we're, while we're doing that in the short term, in the long run, we always want to be addressing the deeper root causes like gut infections, heavy metals, and some of the other things that I've mentioned. Um, so in terms of the lab work itself, I, I, I briefly mentioned this when running through the list of labs. I feel in my experience that the gut testing and the hormone testing tend to have the most payout or the most profound implications for healing. And you really need to address those things before doing more advanced protocols like detoxification and, you know, addressing mold, lime, those kinds of deeper issues that tend to be a bit more complex. So in terms of uh, where we start off with the lab work, that's usually always my starting point is gut and hormones. But along the way, we're always tweaking the diet and lifestyle because that's really, really where you're going to get... Uh, you know, the biggest, the biggest benefit. And, you know, in many ways, I would say that if anything, the, the lab results serve as a kind of motivation for the client to go, oh, wow, I really have to get my ass in gear with, you know, I got to, you know, put my money where my mouth is and stop talking about just, you know, exercising more, doing meditation, doing the infrared sauna, Tai Chi, Epsom salt baths, whatever these kind of foundational healthy practices are, I find that the, the lab work has the added benefit of really motivating the client to make those changes because they can, they can see now concretely that there's, you know, there's some stuff going on there. Yeah, that was actually a question I was going to ask if you see more compliance because now you have all this data to show somebody or is it so overwhelming to people that they're like, I don't know if I can do this. There's so much going on. But I'm sure breaking it down to the foundations, like you said, that gives them a good starting point and it's not as uh, overwhelming when you have a nice starting point like that. So that's that's awesome that you're able to do that. Now, I know a lot of these lab tests can be pretty expensive. So do you start with the GI map and the hormone testing first? Would those be your go-to tests to run first? Or do you have some other tests that you would run right off the bat before anything else? Ideally, I like to have as much lab work as I can up front because that just gives me the, the biggest, clearest picture that I can possibly have, right? Right. Yeah, so, you know, sometimes... It's, it's the case that because of the client's cash flow issue that we'll space out the labs if, if that's what we need to do. But I love to have as much lab work as I can at the same time so we can look at all of those puzzle pieces and correlate everything together. And sometimes it takes some coaching to walk the client through why running some of this lab work might be beneficial and even if that has to get down to looking at their money mindset, you know, what kind of limiting beliefs do they have around money? Uh, just to use a great example, if a client has objections to running some lab work, I might ask them when the last time they took a vacation was and how much that vacation cost. So if you're looking at the cost of a vacation, you're talking about a plane ticket, hotel rooms, meals and entertainment, right? Possibly more. 
maybe a rental car. And, you know, how does that compare to the opportunity to actually end the cycle of trial and error with your symptoms, possibly in a very long-term permanent way, right? Because whereas a doctor may just kind of send you on your way with some medications to feel better, as FDNs, we're looking to give you the tools to become healthy for a lifetime. And so the question is, what kind of price tag can you put on that, right? Um, in many cases, it can be helpful if the client has an HSA or a health savings account, which can help offset the cost of labs. Um, if we're running some blood work like a CBC, CMP, comprehensive thyroid panel, those sorts of things can often be run through your general practitioner on insurance. So that's one way that we can also help to offset the costs of working with a, an FDN or other functional type practitioner. In, uh, in my own personal journey, there was a time where I had to run a bunch of labs uh, and I didn't have the money to do so. And what I did was actually I found this website, which I'll share with you guys. It's called advancedcarecard.com. Just to give a disclaimer, I'm not your financial advisor. Uh, but what, what I did at the time was I found a credit card that had 0% financing for 12 to 18 months. And that helped me to get a jump start on running some of the lab work. And to me, it was worth that investment because in my mind and from my own personal experience, there is no greater investment than in your own health because really that's the foundation for everything else you do, right? There's an expression, you know, first, you, first we eat and then we do everything else, right? It's the, it's the foundation behind everything. So if we're talking about sort of that view of Maslow's hierarchy, right? If we don't have our health, it's really hard to maintain our relationships and be social. It's hard to reach our higher needs for connectedness or to, you know, reach higher goals with our career development or even spirituality or that sort of thing. So um, maybe I've ranting now, but I, I really do think that um, the investment in your health is worth it. No, and I think that's a really good point to talk about because it's it's always been fascinating to me how people put their health on the back burner all the time. They'll they'll go out and they'll spend money on, you know, $5 Starbucks every single day, but to take the time to take care of their own health, they they don't do it even though your health determines how well you're able to do everything else in your life. So, I think that's a great point that you brought up to talk about you mm. know, stepping back and taking care of yourself. There, there are so many creative ways if you put your mind to it where you can save money. You know, even if you just think about one little thing like going out on the weekends and having cocktails with your friends, you know, how much would that up, add up to over the course of a year? I mean, chances are that that would pay for the majority of your lab work. So, I mean, I mean yeah. Over here in Washington, going out for one night can add up to the cost of a lab test. So... That's just one yeah. night. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. I believe it. I believe it. So in your practice, with all the lab testing that you've run and stuff, and I know everybody's different, but do you find there's there's a pattern with where people have to start or there's um, a lot of issues uh, stemming from the same root causes? Yeah, it all comes down to diet and lifestyle. 
So if we think of the word stress, we often think of mental emotional stress. But I, I like to expand that term to be much broader, to encompass physiological and biological stress. So now if we take that broader overview and we consider a lifetime of taking antibiotics and destroying our microbiome, if we consider our sedentary lifestyle, sitting at desks all day, staring at blue light on our computer screens, which is disrupting our hormones and sending all kinds of stress and inflammatory signals to the body, if we also consider that as a result we're not getting fresh air, and sunlight and getting our feet on the ground. We have, you know, fake relationships over social media. So there's a lack of connection from, you know, where we used to be even just a hundred years ago, really. Things have changed pretty rapidly just within the last century. I, I really love this quote from Chris Kresser. He defines disease as a mismatch between our biology and genes and the modern environment. So that's a really profound statement. What he's saying is that we are not adapted to be living the way that we're currently living. I mean, in, in a sense, if you, if you look at the span of have, uh, human evolution, all of these changes happen so rapidly where we're eating you know, processed and refined foods and sugars. That really only started since the 40s or 50s, um, that we're you know, not getting outdoors as much. Uh, that we're, you know, sitting and having a sedentary lifestyle more than we ever were. So what he's getting at there is that we can move our way towards the other end of the spectrum, towards wellness, by replicating our ancestors and getting closer to eating, you know, a diet that's free of processed, refined flours and sugars, where, you know, so we're eating real food, where we're eating locally and organically as much as possible. We're getting more movement, more connection, more sunlight, uh, waking, falling asleep and waking up with this, the circadian rhythm of the, of the sun and so on and so forth. So um, in my mind, the way that we get here to begin with is that mismatch between our biology and, and the modern environment. And that's why we're seeing an ever increase in chronic symptoms and autoimmune disease and all of these diseases that we associate with the Western diet and, and modern lifestyle. So uh, since you were talking about food there, what are some of your favorite foods and herbs that you have seen people receive the most benefit from? I'm going to have to be a bummer here and, and say once again that it, it kind of depends. <laughs> so there there's no one-size-fits-all diet for anyone, especially in the, in the chronic symptom phase of healing uh, because we can see so many different flavors of food sensitivities. Uh, we can also see sensitivity to histamine or FODMAPs or oxalates. Um, and the, these get a little deeper into running some lab work and seeing what's going on so that we can find the foods that will work for that individual. Uh, and until then, you know, uh, we're going to have to maybe limit some of the dietary choices until we do some healing, and then we can include a broader spectrum of foods. Uh, but, you know, in a very general sense, I like to use the the just eat real food template. You know, I, I don't even try to get too dogmatic within that food, but I like to veer towards pasture-raised, grass-fed meat, wild-caught fish, 
pasture-raised animal fats, uh, non-industrial seed oils. So we're talking healthy fats like avocado and olive oil, and you know all the all the things that you learned about as an NTP, right? Right. <laughs> lots lots of vegetables, um, and you know just shop around the outside aisles of the grocery store where you're avoiding all the packaged foods. If if you if it has more than five ingredients, then just stay away. <laughs> Right, which is very good advice. So what are some, let's say, three practices you do routinely to take care of your own health and to keep your own symptoms down? Well, I'm lucky enough to live in sunny Georgia where it's summer 10 months out of the year. (laughs) (laughs) And I love getting my feet on the ground. And, you know, in between consultations or in between meetings, I'll go outside, sit down in the sun for 10 or 20 minutes, get my feet on the ground take my dog outside for a walk. So yeah, I love getting outside and getting, getting a little bit of movement in the sun. Um, we're also lucky enough to have some really great, um, farmer's markets right nearby in our neighborhood. So we'll try to go to the farmer's market once a week and get some locally sourced food when we can. Uh, when we can't do that, uh, I actually really love, we just recently started using sun basket. Are you familiar with sun basket? No, I'm not. So there are some other from uh, similar services like um, Green Apron. Is it Green Apron? Is that is that sound like it? Well, regardless, what they do, Blue Apron, Green Apron. <laughs> you were close. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's a dozen of them out there. They they all have different names. Sun Basket is really great because they they have different dietary options, so you can order meals that are exclusively paleo. That has made our life at home here a ton easier because we get three to four dinners a week just mailed to our house. And when we have a busy week, that just saves us a lot of meal planning and shopping and driving to the grocery store. Uh, So uh, that's another practice, I guess, if you would call it, that we started to engage in that has helped us simplify our lives. And I also love to laugh. I think that's something that people don't talk about a lot. But I think it's it has so many health benefits. Um, years ago, when I was doing a yoga teacher certification, we had actually had some sessions where I was introduced to laughing yoga for the first time. And at first, it feels a little awkward because you're forcing yourself to laugh. But within a few minutes, you have everyone in the room just laughing hysterically because it's pretty contagious. And when you finish, you feel like you did like two hours of yoga and your whole your whole body was just every cell is just alive. Um, so I also love The Office. It's probably my favorite television show, and I, <laughs> I've probably <laughs> I've probably gone through watching um, all seasons all the way through at least five or six times. So I just it never gets old to me, and it just gives me a way to to laugh if I can fit in a twenty minute episode every day. At some point, that's called an obsession. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. All right. To wrap <laughs> everything up, what are some final thoughts that you have on um, using some of those functional diagnostic tools to uh, test for root causes of issues that people might be facing? Yeah. So just remember that symptoms aren't the problem. They are the result of the problem. So you're going to want to run some functional lab tests if you have chronic long-standing health issues that you just haven't had success getting to the root of with 
conventional medicine. So, you know, they say the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting the same results. You know, so if you've been trying for years to work with doctors and you're not getting anywhere, you know, just consider trying a different approach, trying this more holistic approach with running some functional lab tests. It changed my life and so dramatically, in fact, that I decided that I wanted to become an FDN and use this knowledge to help other people. So, you know, I'm a living, breathing example that this stuff really does work. So, you know, I encourage you to um, know that you're worth the investment in your health and that, you know, this stuff really does work and that you're going to get somewhere with it and it's going to change your life. Awesome, Ryan. Thanks so much. People can find you at themindfulnutrivore.com, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, where can people find you on social media? They can find me on social media at facebook.com forward slash themindfulnutrivore. They can also find me on, where else? What am I missing? On, on Twitter. You can look, for, look up the Mindful Nutrivore. It kind of has a funny spelling on there, but you'll find it pretty easily. And am I missing anything? What about Instagram? Instagram. Did I say? Oh, that's right. Instagram. Also, I'm at the Mindful Nutrivore. So I'm all over the place. I post pretty often. Definitely stay connected with me. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. You, you know, feel free to seek me out. Write me an email with questions. I also do free 20 minute consults if you want to just get an idea for what I do and if I might be able to to help you and if we would be a good fit. Awesome. And you take distance clients as well. So you can work with people all over. Um, and once again, people can find you at the mindful Thanks so much, Ryan, for coming on. I appreciate your time and I appreciate some of these, uh, neat tests that you run and what they, or how they can help people to learn more about their own health issues. So thank you. Thanks for having me, Brian. And there you have it. Now you have some information about different tests that you can have your practitioner run for you to look deeper into your health history. I don't use a whole lot of tests in my practice. It's something that I would like to use more. So it was a lot of fun to talk with Ryan about these different panels and what they mean and what they associate with within the body. So thank you so much, Ryan, for coming on. Apparently, he is also a mold warrior like me, meaning we've both suffered from mold toxicity. Uh, so I definitely appreciate everything that he's gone through in his own health struggles because I know what it's like to have uh, mold toxicity. Okay, we will be back in about two weeks, and this time we will have Sarah Russell. I think I said that last week, but uh, her and my interview kind of got messed up a little bit, so she is going to be coming up next. Once again, thank you so much for helping me and supporting me in these first 50 podcast episodes, and I am looking forward to the next 50. Keep climbing to the peak of your health, and we will see you in a few weeks.